Ian. Morning. We've done this before, uh, usually at my house or... Right. We've decided that we want to kind of do this. It's fun. Uh, yeah. It gives you a chance to give, dig deeper, gives me a chance to ask questions, and we hope uh, the rest of the church gets uh, something out of this. So. Yeah, I think this will be worthwhile. Every week we're just going to sit down uh, in this room and have a conversation about the text for the sermon from the Sunday before, other things, other topics as we, as we think they're helpful or relevant, uh, you know, talking about what does it mean to uh, follow Jesus more closely, everyday theology, uh, how God and his word should impact our lives today. So you know, we've been doing this, just the two of us, for years yeah. now on, on a very regular basis. And Lots of rabbit trails. Yeah, a whole lot of rabbit trails yeah. that we, we chase. So uh, what a, a fun thing to do that in front of a camera so that hopefully we can interact more with people who call our church home and um, and whoever else might tune in, and hopefully that'll be beneficial for their lives. Yep, so, I agree. And what a great text to start off with, the, the yeah. birth of uh, our Savior. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's December, so yeah. Yeah. You know, in, in preaching world, what that means is we're talking about the Christmas narrative mm -hmm. every year. It, it, uh, it's always there. Uh, the story is always the same, never changes, and uh, you got to find a way to to come at the Christmas story that hopefully is engaging and helpful and relevant. Which I think you did a pretty good job at. You, you, you wow. came from an angle that I'd never seen before with uh, talking about Jesus' father as opposed to Jesus or Mary. So Yeah. Well, typically, especially with this past Sunday being the Sunday before Christmas. You know, Christmas Sunday, that's, a, that's always a big Sunday that rivals Easter, you know, to, to celebrate the birth of Jesus uh, but this year, on that particular Sunday, we looked at Joseph. We didn't talk about Mary. Now, we'll talk about Mary on Christmas Eve. Uh, we didn't necessarily talk about Jesus himself until towards the end, but we talked about his dad. And what a good topic, what a good guy to talk about. Joseph never gets talked about. No. Joseph is ignored uh, largely by, by most people. The biblical text doesn't give us a lot about him, uh, but wow, did he play a role. How many, um, in the books of the Bible, how many books of the Bible do they actually talk about Joseph? Uh, it's, it's really just the two in the Christmas narrative. So the early chapters of Matthew and the early chapters of Luke uh, are talking about him up to the point of Jesus being 12 when they go to the temple and they leave and Jesus isn't with them. He's back in the temple, you know, schooling all the, the religious leaders. Uh, that's the last interaction we have with Joseph. So somewhere between Jesus being 12 and Jesus launching his ministry at 30, Joseph has died, presumably, yeah. uh, because he's not in the picture anymore. Mary is several times, and even into the book of Acts. Uh, in Acts 1, we'll, we'll encounter Mary again, but, but Joseph's nowhere to be found, I, so I, he's I, passed away. And I've always found that fascinating, that there's no mention of Joseph. I mean, obviously he's important. Yeah, um, right. But not important enough to carry on through and even explain what happened to him. Right. Well, I mean, you've got you know, kids. I've got kids. Even if he died when Jesus was 12, that still leaves an indelible mark on Jesus. Mm. You know, dads have that impact. Dads always have an impact, good or bad, toxic or healthy. Dads always have an impact. 
so Joseph has absolutely had some sort of an impact on Jesus' life and development. One of the things that I, I took away from was that you had, uh, well, in the text mentions that, um, that Joseph was righteous. Yeah. You know, um, God has used all kinds of characters throughout the Bible, and not all of them have been righteous. No, no. A, a lot of them are flagrant sinners. And Joseph is a sinner too. I mean, he's certainly not perfect. That's not what that word means. You know, just, he's, he's righteous. Um, so he's, he's right with God. He's, he's a worshiper of God. Uh, you know, Noah, I think of Noah. Noah was declared righteous in his day. Uh, certainly the case. But a lot of the men and women that, that God chooses to use are really notorious sinners. That's not the case with Joseph. He's a, he's a good guy. So I struggle with the, with the word righteous. Sometimes when I hear the word righteous, I almost think sinless. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, you know, if, if God has declared you righteous in Christ, which he has, you've placed your trust in Jesus, so you are justified, you are just righteous. Well, that doesn't mean you're perfect. I mean, I mean you're close. close. Getting there. But yeah, but, you, but you're, you're, you're not, not perfect. Fast, no. It simply means you're right with God. Right. Um, by, the, by the work of Jesus on our behalf, we're right with God. And that reflects itself in our relationships with the people around us. Uh, there's a rightness to it, rightness with God's standards, with God's ways. There's a rightness to everything. And uh, it, so it makes a very real practical difference. It did for Joseph. Mm. His righteousness was making decisions for him. He was going to divorce Mary. Because he was a just man. And, so it's making this. So. Yeah. So. Yeah. If the narrative would have been if, she was unfaithful. If, if the logical explanation of the account is the fact that she's been unfaithful and is currently lying mm -hmm. about it, he can't marry her. I found, I found your, uh, your definition of the, um, uh, the year-long. Yeah, but the betrothal. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. So they were basically... Um, married. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. There, there, again, there's legal ramifications the in a, in a betrothal. Yes. Yes. So they, they have to divorce to get out of that. They're referred to as husband and wife uh, during that one year period, but they don't live together and they're not sexually active. So to be sexually active is considered adultery and she shows up pregnant. Well, there's obvious implications there. She's been unfaithful. There's been the sin of adultery and infidelity until God shows up in a dream to Joseph to confirm she's telling the truth. This is from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, for, for, I, always, I always come to these things kind of devil's advocate, sure. skeptic, you know, and I think... What a crazy story. In fact, uh, Robin Williams did a skit on, you know, the, the birth of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking away from that as a non-believer thinking the Bible is a joke. It's, right. uh, I mean, it's so easily dissected. But now, as I've learned how to think critically, I think it kind of proves its own. Yeah. Because you could have used, I mean, God could have used any other story. Mary could have used any other story. Mary could have said, I was raped along the way to visit my family. Right. Um, Joseph, right. you didn't treat me well, therefore I stepped up. I mean, there could have been a hundred different examples, and yet they choose, in my opinion, it's not something that, if I was God or if I was writing a book, oh, yeah. claim to be God, I would have never said, um, I never had sex. God did yeah. it in this strange yeah. way. No, There's no way I would have written it that way. If you and I took the, our, the day off work today 
and sat in this room and we designed a new religion that we're going to start. Yeah. We're not going to start it the way God did no. because it's, it's foolish. It's absolutely yeah. foolish to look at this account. So a, a, an outside you know, non-Christian skeptic is going to read this and go, this is stupid. I would say the Jews didn't either because, I mean, what is it? Genesis 3 is when you're... When God kind of introduces his plan, yeah, like, I will abs- crush the head of the serpent. Absolutely. Um, even the Jews at the time weren't thinking that uh, God is going to come through the line of Eve. No, th- um, no, there's, there's no, uh, no hint that this is going to go down right. this way. Now, what Matthew does is incredible, and we even saw it in, in the sermon and didn't have time. There's, there's so much that we don't have time to deal with in a, in a sermon. Otherwise, I'd be preaching well, for kind of hours. It's kind of part right. of what it's for is Matthew is very good, especially in the early chapters of the Christmas account. He continually comes back to this was to fulfill what the prophet said. Mm. So he's, he's connecting all the dots for the readers. So why does it happen this way? Well, because the prophet said it would. Why does this happen this way? Well, because the prophet said it would. Why, why did God warn them in a dream and they end up in Nazareth? Because the prophet said that Jesus would be a Nazarene. All, you know, out of Egypt, I called my son. All of these things are these fulfillments that not everybody had put together. And the and, Jews would recognize this. Yeah, they, absolutely. They right. They're now looking at this going, oh, oh, yeah. look, you know, look, look at all of this. You know, so, so case in point in, in Matthew 1, and, and we didn't uh, really deal with, with this issue um, from, from this vantage point. Uh, so Matthew does this, uh, verse 22 of Matthew 1. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the, the angel of the Lord confirms to Joseph in the dream she was not unfaithful to you. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. All of this was prophesied. Isaiah, let us know there's going to be a virgin birth right on the heels of that. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, so immediate obedience to God, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So He's immediately, overwhelmingly obedient, which was the point of the, mm-hmm. the, the sermon that Joseph, this character trait of obedience to God uh, from start to finish in his life. But he takes this extra step here. He doesn't have a sexual component to his marriage with Mary until after Jesus is born. They're already husband and wife. They're officially married. And yet he waits you however many months, six months or so because she comes back you know, after being with Elizabeth for three months. So we've got another six months to go before Jesus is born. And he restrains. He does not have this sexual component with her. Why? Well, we, we don't know, right? The text doesn't explicitly tell us this is why Joseph did this. Mm. Well, the fact that it's right on the heels of that Isaiah prophecy about the virgin birth so Joseph does this, which is incredible integrity and honor towards Mary, towards the Lord. But this is to help confirm the virgin birth. So there, there can be no doubt, no hint of, of anything else. Jesus was born of a virgin. Now, why does that matter? Two reasons. One, because Isaiah said he would. So if Jesus isn't born of a virgin, he's not the fulfillment 
of at least one Old Testament prophecy, which means he's not really the Messiah. Secondly, it goes all the way back to Genesis 3 that you mentioned earlier. So Genesis 3 uh, is the fall. Adam and Eve bring sin into the world. They disobey God. They eat the fruit of the, uh, of the tree. And you know, Satan tempts them there. And on, on the other side of their sin, God shows up and he's in this conversation with them that's one of condemnation. And here's the punishment for the sins and the punishment on Satan and Adam and Eve. But in the middle of all of that, there's this whisper of hope. Genesis 3.15, scholars call it the, the Proto-Evangelion, the first gospel. So Genesis 3.15, God tells to Eve that from her line will come the one whose heel will crush the serpent's head. He doesn't say that to Adam. It's not from Adam's line, from the male line. It's from the female line through Eve that the Messiah will come who will undo the work that Satan has done. He'll fix the sin problem that was just brought into the world. So trace that out. It has to come from a woman's line, not from a man's line. So if there's no male line, it has to be a virgin birth. There's no male component in this. It's the female component from Mary. So if this isn't a virgin birth, Jesus isn't the heel that will crush the serpent's head. It has to be a virgin birth. So this incredible miracle of God has to be in place or Jesus isn't who the Bible says he is. It's, it's an interesting take because I never thought of God specifically using Eve. I thought it was Adam and Eve. Yeah, but it's. Yeah. I mean, he's very he he well, plain I, to the point. He's yeah. using Eve's line. E Eve's line is it, and it's Adam's line, according to the Book of Romans, that brings sin mm. from generation to generation in the humans in the human race. We're Adam's seed, uh, yet Jesus doesn't have the sin nature that the rest of us have. Why is that? Another part that, since we're talking about this, the Jews don't have the best reputation for treating women with respect. And they, a lot of the time, they right. don't they use the fact that Eve ate the apple. Well, Christians have had their oh, fair yeah. share of, you know, uh, suppressing women and stuff. But in all actuality, God has chose women from the beginning to complete his redemptive plan yeah. for man. There is no place for the suppression or the oppression of women, especially from any biblical point of view, to say, oh, well, you know, Eve is responsible. Now, that's just foolish. Right. Um, Adam was there. Adam, Adam was with Eve in all of this. And he kind of puts the blame on her, too, doesn't he? Oh, he, he says does. something like, it was Eve. <laughs> it was the woman. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was her. And you know, Eve said, oh, it's Satan. Right. Uh, yet they're held personally accountable. Mm -hmm for their sin. That's the problem with sin uh, is you can blame your circumstances. Uh, you can claim victim status. You can blame all kinds of stuff. But when you stand before God, your sin is yours. Mm. You, you don't get to, to point a finger to anyone else but you. I don't get to blame my wife. You don't get to blame no. your wife. You don't get to blame God. You? How about uh, the you don't, you, Yeah, you can't yeah. blame me as as pastor of the church. Your, your sin is yours, man. My sin is mine. Yeah. Um, which is why you have to place trust in Jesus. Otherwise, you stand condemned.
before God yeah. because you're guilty. Well, you, we're running out of time. So what would you say your big takeaway from all of this was? I mean, you, you, you spent how many weeks studying this? Well, yeah, I mean, th- this, you know, I, I plan far in advance right. for, for sermons and you know, it's, it's 12 to 18 months out that, that these series are, are planned and you know, thought through and you, you begin reading about and all of that. And then you, you, you read strategically for a few weeks out. And then the week of is you know, actually wrestling with the text itself. Was it difficult to find outside sources? Anything like to, to help with? Yeah, it's a little challenging yeah, with, there's not a whole with lot about Joseph. Joseph. There's yeah. just not a lot there. Not a lot of people writing books about uh, Joseph. Now, they are about Old Testament Joseph in the back half of sure. Genesis, yeah. but they're not necessarily the, the New Testament because there's not... There's just not a ton of biblical text, so you have to really pull out the texts that do talk about them, and you got to wring them dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you got to drill as deep as you can to get as as much content out, out of that, and it is there. I mean, it's absolutely there. Uh, and what you see very clearly over the top when you look at those texts is his obedience. Yeah. Everything God tells him to do, he does, and he does even more. Uh, he doesn't hesitate. And you're talking about everyday theology of the difference this makes. I mean, what's our role with God's word? When God speaks, what do you do with it? Yeah. You immediately obey it. You know, it's that famous Charles Stanley statement, obey God, leave the consequences to him. Mm. You know, yes, there are going to be consequences to obedience. That's for him to figure out. It's not for me to worry about the consequences. My job is to trust that what he tells me is true and then to obey it um, without hesitation and that's tough. It's tough. In fact, while you're saying that, I think to myself, usually when those thoughts cross my mind, I'm thinking, did God really say? Yeah, you know, yeah right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, here's the, the original why yeah. uh, from the Garden of right. Eden, uh, from, from Satan to Eve. Did God really, really say? say? Yeah. Yeah, so he, I, he questions it. He, I do it he all denies the time. it. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- isn't that the nature of sin? Sure. You know, where we're yeah. denying uh, the authoritative word that God has given to us so that we can justify going our own yeah. direction because the Bible just gets in the way. So we have to, we have to set it aside. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Ian, thanks. This was fun, as oh, usual. Yeah, happy to do it and, and looking forward to the weeks to come as we uh, talk more, especially as we get into the new year and we're starting yeah. you know, the series through the book of Acts and we'll be in that for a long time. And, and Acts, there's a lot to talk oh, about. there's and, a lot to yeah. talk about in the book yeah. of Acts. And, and, and as we... You know, start in, engaging more with an online crowd, with the, the, the church community here at Broadway, it, you know, asking them to submit questions and thoughts. You, we, we get the chance to interact mm-hmm. with where the text is is meeting their life. So you know, who knows where this will go, but I love it. I know it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Give them a chance to get to know you a little better too. Well, I hope so. It'll, it'll be great. Yeah. Well, thanks for hosting. Thanks for setting all this up. This was all your idea to yeah. begin with. So yeah. looking forward to what's to come. Yeah, me too. Thank thanks, you. my friend. Yeah. Ciao. <laughs>